second episode of Purple Fury, a podcast about TCU football, Big 12 football, and college football in general. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I'm here again tonight with your co-host, Grant McGalliard. Grant, how are you? I am doing great, Parker. I am uh, I'm surviving and thriving, man. How about yourself? You know, that's that's about all of us, uh, all any of us can do uh, in, in times mm-hmm. like these. I'm washing my hands. I'm walking my dog multiple times a day and uh, just generally trying to stay inside and stay home. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so in times like these, this is really the entertainment we have, man, is watching these old games. Honestly, this is, yeah. I mean, I, you can only watch the Tiger King once. And then after that, what else are you going to watch on Netflix? So, right. Uh, yeah, going back through an old game is, is certainly good. And, and that's what we're going to do tonight. We are doing a rewatch of the 2014 TCU-Kansas State game. This is number six versus number seven in Fort Worth. Um, I think we picked this game because of the recent Frogs of War bracket where they went through some some TCU moments. And Grant and I have been wanting to do a kind of a rewatch episode or, or two for a while and so we finally got around to it and inspired by that we, we wanted to go back to the boykin flip game and that's what we did mm-hmm. so um grant let's start out just big picture context initial impressions of this 2014 game uh you were where were you in the world uh you were still a student or had graduated i was i was a sophomore sophomore um, oh you're very young i forget yeah that. and i remember i have pictures it's like one of the few games i remember that took pictures like beforehand at the tailgate and stuff like that. And it was the blackout game. Uh, yeah. It was a night game. And uh, I remember pretty much like I, I wasn't clear on certain plays, but I remember almost everything that happened in that game just because it's like it was such a monumental game for me being like, OK, this team It was like that in Oklahoma game or two. I was like, this team is really, really good. Um, and it was one, it's probably like a top two game for me in terms of how much fun I had at the stadium watching a game. Definitely. Yeah. So I was, um, <clears throat> this was first year, first football season after I graduated. So I was actually in town because I think this was around like the week before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was there for kind of the long weekend and, and then through Thanksgiving. Um, and I went to the game. I was in the student section because um, my uh, wife was a student at the time. And we, we walked down and I'm, I'm kind of the opposite. I remember basically three things about this game, that it was the blackout game. I remember mm-hmm. the Boykin flip. And I remembered that it was a blowout and mm-hmm. rewatching it. I'm kind of contentious about that third point in my memory. Cause it, it really wasn't as much of a blowout uh, rewatching it. I, I didn't know enough of the narrative that, that going through, I was a little bit like, Oh weird. I know the final score, but how does this happen? How does this get here? Um, so I thought that was uh, super interesting just to kind of have a different, perspective mm-hmm. on it watching it again yeah and it's one of those things and, and i want to say this up front and, and i'm sure we'll get into it um trevon boykin probably isn't a good person and he's done some bad things but discussing him only in a football context like watching his highlights from this game reminded you of like how great he was and how he was the engine that made that team work absolutely um i have yeah we're gonna so let me let me get a rundown because I, I agree with that. sorry so yeah i just i had to say that up no, top because 100 because that's yeah. something weird we have to deal with actually talking about the frogs of war broadcast on a podcast or the bracket on a podcast last week we actually kind of talked about like do we vote for boykin what is this and i i think we've really done a good job of a healthy balance of we have our college um quarterback hero and mm-hmm. at pat o'brien's in san antonio that ended um, and mm-hmm. that chapter is over and we can separate that completely and kind of compartmentalize and say, um, 
Boykins made some really bad choices, and I, I feel really sad for him in the circumstances of his life that it didn't get to go on and be a successful NFL backup for a while and maybe get a shot at starting are, are really sad. Um, but we're going to talk about him in a separate context. We're only talking about him in a context mm-hmm. of um, college football because you can't watch this game and not not rave, and rave about him, and he was a great college football player. So, yeah, um, yeah what we're going to do is we're going to go through and kind of talk some more overall impressions. Then we're going to go through and, and look at four specific things. Uh, if you've heard a certain pop culture and sports websites uh, recapables or rewatchables podcast. This might sound familiar, mm-hmm. um, but we're just going to go through and do most rewatchable moment, uh, apex mountain or who's who reached their peak in this game. And then wasn't the same afterwards plays that stick out. And then uh, we're also going to talk about scheme stuff and kind of get into the weeds of, of watching. So uh, transitioning from fans to analysts, as we, as we talk about this, I, I think is how we have it designed. So my, my first overall impression, Grant, I can't, we're going to talk about him more, but, my biggest note on this, I tweeted this out earlier today, but I remember Tyler Lockett being very good. Mm-hmm. Tyler Lockett is way better than I remember. Yes. He is incredible. Yes, he is nuts. He, I don't know if we're going to do this chronologically or not, but like he finished, I mean, you had the stat line, 11 catches, 196 yards and a touchdown. He had 75 kick return yards and he had a kick return for a touchdown that was called back. Uh, at the end of the yeah. first half, because to... the Kansas State guy, I love this on the teleprompter. This is so funny. <laughs> on the teleprompter, the the Kansas State guy kind of was like falling to the ground with the TCU player, yep. and he and was just tackling him, just outright tackling mm-hmm. him. And on the teleprompter, they circled in bright yellow his left hand on the TCU defender's shoulder that had a little bit of jersey. And you're like, I don't think that hand is why they threw the flag. I think they threw the flag because he took him to the ground yeah that might have had something to do with it it's like a judo takedown and they <laughs> circled his hand in the top corner that that was the flag but lockett was going to score regardless oh i mean that yeah, guy that, was, that... was was nuts and i had a note on mine too he turned uh kevin white around um on i think it was a 70 yard touchdown catch in the first quarter and kevin white was a like nfl draft selection for tcu a very good cornerback and was lost trying to guard yeah. Tyler Lockett. like to the point where Tyler Lockett beat him so badly off the line, he threw up his hand so that Jake yeah. Waters could come back. Um, also, let's let's pivot there and talk initial impressions. Jake Waters, are we sure of two things about him? One, is he not just Colin Klein uh, in a different uniform? And mm-hmm. two, I've been watching Westworld recently. I think if Bill Snyder was going to make a Westworld host of a quarterback, Jake Waters would have been that guy. Like, very bland, very... Very robotic, but like can run the power RPO, like tall, jacked white guy who mm-hmm. can throw the ball. He's just like the the platonic ideal of a Bill Snyder quarterback. They they said that exact same thing. Uh, Gus Johnson did. And who was the color guy? I forgot to get his name. Uh, oh, I got so excited about Gus Johnson, I honestly forgot who it was. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't Joel Cloutway. Anyway, but whoever it was, but yeah, this is like the prototypical Bill Snyder quarterback. I'm like, great, say no more. He's going to like be moderately efficient run through a couple tackles, and also, at times, look completely lost. And okay, that's exactly what happened. It, yeah. What's crazy about this, though, Kansas State has no rushing game this year. They no. were 23rd in S&P Plus in passing in 2014, 64th in rushing. Yeah. I, I know you don't like like raw numbers, but they ran 19 times for 34 yards. Yeah. Like, literally, <laughs> literally, I looked at this uh, – Aaron Green's long, like Aaron Green in one run on that touchdown run had almost double the yardage of all of Kansas State, which is which is just crazy because 
Yeah, I mean, they like we'll, we'll talk about scheme at the end, but because they were running a very Kansas State was running a very sophisticated offense. They mm-hmm. were running kind of this RPO, like let the quarterback decide, like very very interesting. And you thought early on, ooh, this might be a little, this might be tough to deal with. Um, yeah, some other some other things about the game just before we we get too too ahead of ourselves. Uh, TCU was ninth overall in SP plus in 2014. Kansas state was 25th. So this was a top 25 matchup. Uh, according to the advanced stats, it was a top 10 matchup number six versus number seven, according to the AP poll and the college football poll. This was the first top 10 matchup in Fort worth since 1939. I had to double check that because I confused the 2000 nine and the 2010 utah games Mm -hmm. and 2009 was number i think four versus 16 tcu Mm -hmm. and then utah 16 2010 was number three versus number five and that was up in up in utah so i had that confused because i thought that stat was wrong right but um but of course they were on there they were on their stuff um the other thing i noticed tcu kind of played a murderer's row to end the season iowa state aside six games five twenty five top 20 opponents yeah which is yeah, it was a, it was a, a loaded slate. Big Twelve, yeah. It was an extremely solid league, and and the other thing too to kind of contextualize where we were in the twenty fourteen season at this point, they flashed a graphic of Heisman nominees, and it was Everett Golson, uh, Amir Abdullah, and Melvin Gordon were the projected Heisman nominees at the time. My my actual thought was like those are all players, yeah. Yeah, they are college football players. There's no doubt about it. Um, okay, let's take this opportunity to talk about something. You know, I have a deep passion for what did you think of the uniforms oh man they were amazing they were all black had the the kind of the the sparkly purple helmets had the uh the purple name on the back kind of deep purple it was kind of hard to read the names which is hard doing i thought for a second i had the note and then i had to scratch it out no names on the back of the jersey which i thought was cool but it was just because it was so dark purple and i couldn't see it on the broadcast and i'm sure that's tough for like tv Uh, of course they just look for the numbers anyway but I thought it was an awesome look. And especially for a blackout game coming out in that, it was really, really cool. Yeah, it was nice. It was no frills. I think there was a yep. little bit of the the hint of the frog skin pattern in the white, which mm-hmm. TCU had been doing on the numbers. Solid purple pants. The chrome helmets that weren't like the Kenny Hill pink chrome. Yeah. I think they were a little darker. Some of that's helped, of course, by the night game. But a really classic, iconic TCU TCU uniform, which is, uh, I think I think we're back to that with these new kind of spiky uniforms. But yep. for a while, TCU was wearing some weird stuff. So um, nice to have a callback to the 2014 nice uniforms. They were. And, and you talked about how this game wasn't a blowout. And I guess it, it, it wasn't when you rewatch it. But in the stadium, I know for me at least, with the atmosphere, this is very cliche and you can't codify it stats, but in the stands, watching like that team run out, get, get a quick lead, like kind of wearing those uniforms, the atmosphere, everything, there was no way they were going to lose that game. Like it right. felt like a. This sounds dumb, but those uniforms and that entire atmosphere made it feel like those guys were out for blood. Right. Um, it, it's kind of, of like plays, if momentum existed, right. that would have been the moment. Right. In yeah. this hypothetical yeah. universe where momentum exists, but um, it, it. I mean, <laughs> it. It really did feel like you know some of the plays. TCU it kind of just brought. It, that was the most energetic I've seen a TCU team play. Um, looking back, like it was nothing like what happened this season. Definitely, it was. It was. Um, Almost the exact opposite of the West Virginia game this yes. year yes. was this Kansas State game, um, yes. which I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not kicking any players while they're down. Sure. I'm just talking in terms of the scale of what Eamon Carter can be. Mm-hmm. Those are the two opposite ends for yeah. sure. Absolutely. Okay. I took drive by drive notes for the first half and then realized that was way too granular and I didn't want to, uh, 
I didn't want to go that deep. So let's kind of start broader. Okay. What is your most rewatchable moment from this game? It's so obviously the right answer or the most common answer is the Boykin copter. And that's probably number two. Uh, Aaron Green put some guys on skates on that 65-yard touchdown. I'd forgotten how great that was. He, 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 he goes right. He's almost out of bounds on the right sideline, cuts all the way back left, and he's got a cadre of players blocking for him. Uh, great downfield blocking by the wide receivers and scores on the left pylon. And I think I re-round that play four times while I was watching just to watch him make those cuts. Yeah, that was that was a video game play. And and Aaron Green uh, filling in for the starter, B.J. Catalan, mm-hmm. who's a, a great TZ running back, um, not expected to start and really an unknown. And that run was definitely the, hey, Aaron Green's a guy moment. Yeah. And we, we learned that in 2015 too. But that was um, that was a video game run. That was like, and Boykin had a couple of these moments, but that was like in Madden 2004, I think it was. You would play as Michael Vick and run yep. four verts. And mm-hmm. you would just rush for a touchdown every time because he is a freak. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was that was that kind of moment for sure. Is that your rewatchable moment as well? No. So, okay, I might be doing something annoying. I'm going to basically have two answers for all of these because I have like a, a, a serious and a not serious answer. Okay. So <laughs> tolerate me. Um, I think my, my, most, my, my first thought for my most rewatchable moment was right before the second, right before the end of the first half, Two things happened. The Tyler Lockett PI got uh, called back. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, excuse me. The Tyler Lockett touchdown return got called back on the kickoff. Yep. Um, and that in itself was a very, very watchable play. Um, and then the next play, Kansas State throws it. And there's there probably should have been a PI flag there. Mm-hmm. Um, can't remember who it was. Wasn't wasn't white because it wasn't 25. But somebody just got, got in there a little early. And a Kansas State coach is yelling on the sideline, mm-hmm. losing his mind. And Bill Snyder turns and just uses the force on him and sticks his hand out. Doesn't touch him, just sticks his hand. And the coach, like, snaps to attention and takes a step back. And so on one level, that, like, if Kansas State had gotten three points there or gotten a touchdown there with either the, the return or a successful drive, that's an entirely different ball game going into the half three points instead of instead of ten points. Um, and then second, just Bill Snyder being the being – the, the, the mature man that he is was able sure. to look at his coach and just, just wave him. My actual most rewatchable moment, I think is the second half drive right out of the gate. Yep. Um, and so that was, listen, B returns the ball to the 40. They run the Boykin option. They run the, the Boykin to Dachshund. Then Aaron green goes on 10 yard run out of the pistol, which was awesome. Yep. Uh, Boykin catches Porter and then Boykin flip was the end of that drive. Yep. And the reason that's the most watchable is is two things. One, one touchdown drive, just everything was functioning. Mm-hmm. Two, Meacham is on the sideline crouching that entire drive. And he crouches a bunch, but he was like, no, no, no. We're going to score yep. right now. This is what we do. And that was that was just, just TCU high-functioning offense. Everything, they did everything right. And they had they had two plays that weren't, you know, that weren't very good on that drive. And they still moved the ball and scored. They had multiple looks, multiple formations. And so that, for me, was so fascinating fascinating just to say like oh no this this is offense yeah Um, and so i love that and i i can't wait until we talk scheme because there are a lot of things that i almost forgot that we did um just in terms of scheme and and how we used the skilled players that we had at the time to our advantage um so i anyway i can't wait to talk about that but yes that drive was watching an executioner at work and and meacham for sure was the most intense person on that sideline definitely and to to Kansas State's credit, I you want to believe that when the when the Boykin flip happened, TCU goes up 
24 to 7, that yes. that's when the route is on. And um, Kansas State comes right back and shoves the ball down TZ's throat. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't run it, so they don't shove the ball down the throat. But, I mean, they just go throw it to lock it, throw it to lock it, throw it to lock mm-hmm. it, and score. Um, and so and so Kansas State was a really, really high-functioning pass offense, which is a weird thing to say. But they came right back down and scored it and kept it within striking distance um, for, for a little bit there. So um, that, big moment, that big moment really didn't change the narrative of the game very much, but it was just really great to watch offense like that. No, for sure. And, and harping on Kansas State a bit, again, to give them credit, um, Sexton. I forget his first. Was it Colin Sexton with Kansas State? See, I thought that, but Colin Sexton was a Texas player. Okay. Well, somebody Sexton, whatever, wide receiver yeah. from Kansas State. Uh, he had Curry. a 74-yard touchdown in the second half, right? And then he also, like, they nearly connected on a 90-yard score at the end of the first half. And he Waters was, just overthrew him. He was open twice. So Wide I think, a, again, in the, um, like, early in the fourth, maybe, there's a, I don't know, I turned it to 1.5 speed after it was like a, you know, 25 game. But he was, Kansas State was deep in their own territory, and Sexton was very open, and Waters mm-hmm. just missed him. Waters might not have been good. I don't I don't think so. I think it is a disservice to Colin Klein to call. Yes. <laughs> to call Jake. You're just like, oh, I forgot that Jake Waters played. I just assumed it was Colin Klein for right. the last like I, eight years. The yeah. first note I have is who the hell is Jake Waters? Right. So that's that's kind of where we were. And his backup was Hubner, who played for Kansas State for a couple oh, years. I'm, I have my last note of the game is I'm furious about the Hubner T D. Yeah. They scored at the that's so frustrating. It makes me that's so, so dumb. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because Kansas State just got that garbage time TV TV mm-hmm. at the end. And I wrote, here's 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 the desperation I was in. I said, if if there's no Huberner TV, does, does TCU go to the playoff? Oh, God. <laughs> um, other other note, I don't know, we're going to get to we're going to get to Apex Mountain in a second because uh, I just keep coming back to Tyler Lockett as I see things. Second half. TCU was like, nope, we're pooch kicking it every time. Yep. Like Tyler Lockett is not even going to breathe on the ball no. in special teams, which was very smart and maybe should have been done from the beginning. Yeah, probably. Um, okay, so that was most rewatchable moment. Now let's talk about Apex Mountain. Grant, do you want to explain what Apex Mountain is? Sure. Cribbing from a noted sports and pop culture site that we both read and, and listen to, um, Apex Mountain is basically, okay, On so every, every person's career reaches a peak, right? That's Apex Mountain. So... Basically, it's real simple. Was this game the apex of this person's career at TCU? So whatever that means to you, okay, that's Apex Mountain. So you can clarify that, you can qualify it a bunch of different ways, but was this game this person's peak at the peak of their powers at TCU? Okay. Um, And who are your candidates for that, or who did you think about in that, and who did you ultimately decide on? Okay. I had Doug Meacham. Um, I, obviously, obviously, it's hard to tell between him and Cumby who was calling the shots in different games. Um, but with Meacham on the sideline crouching like that, looking like he was like whispering exactly what he wanted to happen onto the field, um, and with the innovation in that offense, um, I think it's a contender. I mean, there's TCU certainly had more explosive offensive games while he was there. I mean, 82 points against Tech, 55 the next year against Tech. Um, but man alive, they decimated a really good team, and it was yeah. mostly because of innovation on offense. So I think it's a contender for for Meacham. Definitely agree. I can I can think of like I had to go and while you were saying that Google and just make sure he was there through fifteen and then sixteen and then he left. Yeah. Because um, if it had been he left in fifteen, then ap- absolutely. But yeah, I think right. it's I think it's definitely a contender just from you know kind of what I said with the the rewatchable drive. You know he 
there, there are times he looks like a crazy guy on the sidelines, and there's mm-hmm. times he's Matthew McConaughey just right. chilling out, saying everything's all right, and, and scoring touchdowns. And this game, he was in control the entire time. There was yeah. there was no offensive struggle at all. Yeah. No. Um, I think we have to ask if it was Boykins, and I don't think it is because he did throw seven touchdowns against Tech. But as far as peak of his powers go, man, I mean, he made some some rough throws, but when he wanted to, he just made plays with his legs. Definitely. And that's not discounting him as a passer, but he finished with um, – oh, daggum, I got to click over uh, – 123 yards and three touchdowns on 17 carries. He was 23 of 34 for 219 yards and a touchdown passing. Like, that is a really, really good game against a defense that was allowing, like, oh, I don't know, what, 10 points a game, I think, coming into this yep. end of this week? It was uh, – I saw the note was highest points allowed at the half uh, all season. Okay. Like, TCU set all their records that yeah. season. I, yeah. it, they just – he just looked pretty much unstoppable. And Ty Slanina had to play defense on one of his passes. But other than that, it was a really great game from Boykin. I don't think it was his apex, but we were nearing that at the time. Definitely. Um, so to contextualize with Boykin, I had kind of forgotten – you just forget how the sequence of things goes. But uh, Boykin basically got himself uninvited from the Heisman ceremony the week before – at West Virginia, he had a yep. he had a QBR of thirty nine point five, an interception, really like twelve completions on thirty throws, an awful awful game at West Virginia, and Gary Patterson pulled back media availability the week before the Kansas State game, and mm-hmm. Boykin didn't talk to the media for the first time all season, kind of did you know focus and and let's go and and especially because he was so rattled at West Virginia before, and he came out and and played incredibly um mm. and and you know ultimately in 2014 didn't deserve to be on the Heisman podium finished 21st in QBR but this game you know was was just really a really really strong moment um especially given that 2015 kind of lacked the ceiling in terms of yeah. context and drama mm-hmm. and and what happens after this is TCU beats a nobody school and then goes and plays in a meaningless new year six game yeah. and the defense was really the star of the Peach Bowl, so I, th- mm-hmm. I think there is an argument for Boykin here, but I, but I, I agree. I think it's otherwise. Um, I'm circling Ty Slanina on my notes because I want to come back to that in scheme, so I'm going to okay. write that down and remember that. Okay. Um, okay. So who did you decide on for your Apex? Apex? Uh, it's a guy that I I had forgotten a lot about, but watching this game, he made a lot of plays. David Porter. Yeah. Um, seven catches, 84 yards, and a touchdown, but. All of his routes and all of his catches were really, really well done. And he was kind of in that game almost as an afterthought with Doxon and Listonby there. Um, but he, he caught a uh, – he nearly scored on a, on a beautiful, I guess called a sail route, kind of over the middle of the field. Um, he did score later just kind of finding room in the end zone while Boykin was scrambling around. And then he made a couple of really tough catches for first downs, but defenders draped all over him and kind of pulled the ball away. Um, for a guy that he only had – uh, in West Virginia against 2013, he had eight catches for two TDs. Other than that, Kansas State was his best game of his career, and it came in a, on a really big night. So I was very impressed by David Porter. I think that's his apex. Absolutely, and and I kind of knew that would that would be the answer um, because this came out of nowhere, and uh, Josh Doxson had an ankle injury coming into the mm-hmm. game, and and it just didn't seem like the wide receiving core was at 100. And David Porter absolutely stepped up. Um, I tried to make it a defensive player and I just couldn't go through. I was like, nope, Paul Dawson, consistently awesome. Yep. Did not have a moment. Like no one's moment was over. And right. so it's just, it has to be, it absolutely has to be David Porter for, for who is that their apex, I think. Although I do want to point out, Paul Dawson was awesome. Like I have that four yeah. times in my notes. Of yes. Just Paul Dawson so, being a wrecking ball. 
Paul Dawson, I think we'll talk to you about in this next section when we talk about MVP. Okay. Because, but he can't be apex because even though this was awesome, Paul Dawson was awesome every before game before that. Like, and yeah. he was awesome in the Peach Bowl too. So yes. yeah, yeah. Um, and and also, he had the interception against Oklahoma to win. That's correct. To seal the game. So it's like, okay, if that's if there's going to be an apex mountain, it's got to be early in the season. Right. right. I just want to make sure we recognize how very very good Paul Dawson was. Yes. At all facets of playing linebacker he was incredible is there anyone else that you want to shout out on this or maybe consider um just a couple fun names on defense like terrell lathan um yeah and uh like sam carter sam carter was everywhere this game uh mm-hmm. tcu i'm getting into scheme too early sorry tcu was recognizing that kansas state didn't have a run game and that they were bringing safeties and like sam carter wreaked havoc which was great um other other names that i thought were really really funny um but, and and this a little bit goes into scheme, but uh, the the fullback who whose name I'm looking up because I forgot it, darn it. Um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Cliff Murphy. Cliff Murphy is a name I haven't thought about in a long time. He's a tight end. Sure. And when they were running the option, Cliff Murphy was lined up in the pistol. He was next to Boykin, and mm-hmm. Aaron Green was behind him. And Murphy's job was like go kill the first guy, and it, he just did an awesome job at that. Yes, it, was, it was great. Yeah. yeah, like literally every play, he was full contact, just demolishing a human mm-hmm. being. So, um, again, that's that's one of those things where you're like, very inconsequential, but a fun name that I that I remember. So, okay. right. um, yeah, I think I think that's who I would recognize. You know, a lot of those guys are just kind of kind of blend together. You talked about downfield blocking on the Aaron Green. I noticed uh, Aaron Green run. I noticed like Joey Hunt was downfield yeah. on that play too. And so you know, I recognize the the offensive line was great. Um, a lot of good names there, you know. Uh, uh, I, I can't say it, but like Tayo Fabulaje, uh, Tayo Fabulaje, yes, Fabulaje. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Boykin didn't get messed with all night um, at all. So offensive line had a really, really solid night, and so I think they deserve to be, um, they deserve to be mentioned. Yeah, it's um, not just that yeah. he didn't get messed with; it's that he had running lanes. Yeah, like they were moving Kansas State defenders out of the way, even on passing plays, to give him ability yeah. to scramble. Like he did whatever he wanted in the pocket, and then yeah, for sure, offensive line was outstanding. Definitely. Um, okay, so let's let's move from that to the MVP. Okay. Who was your most valuable player? Not named Tyler Lockett. Not named. Okay. Well, dang it. Okay. Um, <laughs> it can be Tyler Lockett if you wanted to. Um. It. It has to be Boykin, right? Uh, unless I you think so. Say, Convince me. Okay, okay, well, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I said most of it earlier, but he bailed TCU out on a lot of um, third and medium situations, you know, second and long situations, just making plays with his legs, getting first downs. Um, he kind of manufactured some really good throws. Again, not all of them were specifically on the money. I think his receivers helped him out a lot. But I think his ability to create plays was something that Kansas State hadn't anticipated. And in the running game, especially in the options, his decision-making between pitching and keeping was really, really good this game. He, he held the ball late and pitched late. He kept when he needed to. He found really good angles. Um, and I was really impressed with his decision-making in the running game. And I, I, I think, like I said, this was him pretty much at the peak of his powers. Um, maybe not his best game statistically. But I, I, I think CCU might win this game because of their ability to run the ball. But they certainly don't win 41-20 to without Trevon Boykin. I 100% agree. And I think it was on that first that first TD, they were in the goal line, and they just ran the pistol speed option really quick. 
And I, I rewound it because I was like, was that actually a design toss? Because Boykin mm-hmm. held it for a while and then and then went in. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think it's it's hard to make an argument that it's that it's not Boykin. Um, I, I have some notes here about. Sure. I felt like on defense, Kansas State was actually lining up really well. And this is all, you know, again, we're not X's and O's people, but Kansas State was, you know, they'd have five guys in the box on second and six and TC would be passing and they just were matched up really, really well. And Boykin was just able to out athletic them. I mean, Mm -hmm. Aaron green was to some extent on, on one play. And that was after, you know, a lot had already happened, but Boykin was able to say, I'm going to beat you with my arm. And you're so reliably afraid of that. If that doesn't work, I'm going to just beat you with his beat you with my legs. And so, you know, two, probably three or five times, not, not two or three, uh, four or five times, Boykin dropped back, saw nothing, and ran for 10 yards and got a first down. Yep. Um, a couple of times I was yelling at him to slide. But, I mean, he's uh, just – his his confidence in his arm, knowing that he had the legs as a backup, was just impossible to – you have to be – you can line up and scheme against that, absolutely. But then, ultimately, you have to be able to make plays. And Boykin just said, you're not making plays on me. Um, the only other candidate I would say is Paul Dawson. Mm-hmm. And that's really just because that linebacker position is kind of a – the, the linchpin of the entire defense, and he had an amazing game, was everywhere, was bothering him. Um, I'm, I'm less inclined to give it to a defensive player just because Kansas State was so one-dimensional. Yep. Um, I have some I have some numbers up about Kansas State passed on 71% of their early downs, first and second downs, throughout the whole game. 71%. Bill Snyder team. Um, their EPA on rushes was negative 0.32. Um, and so they just weren't – I mean – it's weren't it, their they longest were only run passing. was nine yards. Yeah, they they were only passing, and and I think that was a, a water scramble. Um, it might have been RPA. You know, I can't. It was a tell, David. But... It was it was Robinson apparently, but yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, still. yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, which which again is crazy, and again we keep hyping up this scheme section, but like I love Kansas State's offense. They just did not have any kind of competent run mm-hmm. ability, and so the defense played amazingly. I I devalue that performance just a little bit in talking about MVP only because it's very easy to defend a one-dimensional team. Yeah. I will say, and you mentioned Paul Dawson, and he would be mine too if we were going defense. I have a note. It was a play. Uh, uh, it was, I think, and it was in the second quarter. Kansas State, it was third and two, and they tried to do like a very Snyder ball run. It, it might have been shotgun, but there were like three other backs in the backfield, and Dawson just stuffed it, read it completely right, scuttled around three offensive linemen, and hit the guy in the backfield. And it was that type of instinct. He just did it the entire game. So even if the Kansas State wanted to run the ball, I'm not sure they could have. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I, absolutely. He just he just knew where it was. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a great transition from. So our MVP is Trevon Boykin, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Let's talk about some plays that stuck out. So I have the highest EPA plays, and I'll read some of those off, um, okay. and then we can kind of, you know, we can segue or dissect or talk about those as we as we come up and then hear some of your plays. Cause I've, I've got one that's not on here too. Mm-hmm. So um, the highest EPA play for TCU was Aaron Green's 65 yard touchdown. Yep. It added 5.24 points. Uh, it was 65 yards. That's that explains it. Mm-hmm. The second highest was Boykin's pass to Doxon on third and eight for 20 yards to the Kansas state 43. Mm-hmm. So that play I actually have flagged before I looked at the EPA because that was on a touchdown drive and the next play was the Porter catch that was almost a 
Okay. The Porter catch it was almost the um, touchdown, and then they went sprint option. And that play was awesome because Boykin, like, dropped back, didn't see anything, and just ran around and amazing footwork dodged until Josh Doxson got open. He found Doxson past the sticks, and they got a first down and kept the drive going. So that one is pretty high. Um, the next one is an Aaron Green's 34-yard run in the um, third quarter. Mm-hmm. Then the next one is the second Boykin run, not the Boykin flip, the second one. Um, which was 2.6. It was 23 yards for a touchdown. And then finally, Boykin's pass to David Porter for 10 yards for a touchdown, which is on second and seven. The Boykin flip was actually the sixth highest. It was only 19 yards, so it was a little less than those other two touchdowns, just in terms of EPA. But So a lot of Boykin, a lot of Aaron Green in the um, EPA there. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, you kind of flagged the ones that stick out to me. I I, I know you, you want to get to Tosh Lanita and Scheme, but again, him playing defense on that ball that should have been picked was huge. Um, kind of kept Kansas State from really turning things around and, and, you know, forcing a TCU turnover, which TCU didn't turn the ball over once in this game. A um, couple other ones that stuck out to me. I mentioned the Porter pass. I thought it was a really cool route. Um, kind of stretching the defense long and then having Porter go over the middle. Uh, and, and a really good pass on Boykin as well to hit him on that route. Um, I flagged the speed option TD just because um, I could picture you screaming at the TV to run that, and uh, Boykin obviously scored on it. Um, and, yeah, I, you, you flagged most of them. Uh, again, I, I, I rewatched the Aaron Green touchdown four times, so that's probably my favorite play. But. Definitely. Um, yeah, and then we, we also talked about a couple um, – you know, there's a couple big – like a very real downfield passing threat. When Jake Waters could hit the broadside of a barn, mm-hmm. they they could beat you. And there was there was more than once where a Kansas State receiver was in stride past the safeties, and the ball didn't get there. Yep. Um, and so those those plays stick out for sure. Should also add uh, Chris Hackett's interception, uh, returned at thirty yards. It was in the fourth quarter. Um, if he didn't pick off that ball, there was absolutely pass interference being called because whoever's playing corner on, it might've been Lockett just straight up tackled him in the end zone. <laughs> but the ball was like, so it was such a bad throw that Hackett like caught it five yards in front of where the receiver was. Right. Um, Which I mean, honestly, like that TCU's second half strategy was like, Oh, Tyler Lockett's good. We should avoid kicking to him. And yep. also we should tackle him anytime the ball comes near him. Like they, I mean, there, there's a bunch of some defensive back coaches were, were, teaching some like old old junkyard tactics and and my whole i don't know anything about defense and gary patterson is an incredible defensive coach and tcu secondary is always good but even in 2014 they never really turned their head around when guarding um i guess that's to make sure tyler lockett doesn't run away from you but they could have i can't remember i think it was kevin white could have had an interception if he turned his head around and instead he got a pass interference penalty called on him because yeah. he just ran through lockett um and that stuck out to me was like okay we cannot guard this guy this is all coming back to how good Tyler Lockett is, but yeah. Absolutely. That, well, and, the, and the, uh, just talking about how the game was called. And so we need to get someone on the podcast who can tell us why the deep ball always feels existentially terrifying to TCU defenses. Mm-hmm. Like as a fan, we should, we should talk to someone about that. Yes. But then also Colby Lissenby sold an awesome, uh, an awesome PI in the first or second quarter, but he, the defender jumped a little bit early and Lissenby mm-hmm. kind of like backed up into him. So the defender's arms around it. Oh, and yeah. like, Listen, we just sold the PI and got it, which is pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. I um, want to talk about Listen Me later, but yes, I know exactly what player you're talking about, and that was really, really savvy. Yeah. Okay. Um, plays that stick out. So we got plays that stick out. All right. So we are, uh, where, where are we on time? Woof. Oh, we're doing great. 
yeah. 35 minutes. Um, this is, you know, we'd probably have an ad break in here, but again, we're independent and we don't have ads. Mm-hmm. This week we will be on uh, Apple iTunes as well as Spotify and Anchor awesome. and some of the places that you get podcasts a little more regularly. So that's going to be exciting. Otherwise, um, yeah, we're going to we're gonna keep cruising and we're going to talk about scheme stuff. So Grant, get us started. What did you notice? What do you want to talk about about scheme in this game? Start anywhere and we'll kind of work our way through. Okay, I want you to talk about the running game because we both talked about how smart and aggressive TCU was on the ground, running with intention and purpose. One thing that stuck out to me, and and like I said, we can kind of bounce around, but this is where Liston B comes in because he was so fast in his prime, and I think he was probably still or was probably dealing with some of the nagging injuries that really kind of tanked his career, but. Defenders had to respect him so much that Kansas State cornerbacks were playing eight, nine yards off the line of scrimmage against Liston B pretty much on every down. And that allowed him to, so he finished with six catches for 31 yards, but they were all on button hooks, you know, kind of curl routes that because the defender was playing so far off, TCU could riff off five yards pretty easily just by letting Liston B run five yards and turn around. And I think they parlayed that into, like, like we said, allowing Porter to get open um, you know, allowing Doxon when he could to kind of find some space. And because defenses had to respect Liston B so much, that really opened up a lot of, um, you know, running lanes to the outside with the cornerback so far away. Um, you know, some of the middle passing routes and, and, and those curl routes. And I think they used that to their advantage really, really well with Kansas State playing that far off. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I had that note too. Just Liston B is so fast. He basically only ran stick routes because they were behind, like they were just yeah. so far away, yeah. um, or, the, or the button hook or whatever, you know. And um, and they ran screens to yeah. him a lot too. And I just thought, how refreshing is it for the screen to be used as a punishment, not mm-hmm. as like a bedrock of your offense? Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, you're gonna play 11 yards off. Listen, B. Well, he's gonna get four every time, so you have to deal with this now. Um, and so that was awesome. He also had a couple. That's that's why I kind of thought about him maybe for Apex Mountain, but I decided against bringing that up just because it wasn't enough but he had a couple screens where two or three defenders hit him and he kept going and got yeah. a first down and so um that that having that long weapon along with porter and Doxon, who are more than um more than competent receivers just being multiple and being fast is mm-hmm. what tcu's offense is at its best and it was cool to see they they were able to use that well so I'm a little bit talking myself into the gang getting back together for 2019, but we'll go to that. We'll go to that conversation at the end of this, okay. this I think. Um, yeah. So I, I thought the passing game was great. A lot of, um, a lot of play action, which is really fun. And they, and they made you really worry about Boykin. They did enough QB running in the first half. I really mm-hmm. feel like um, w- through scrambles and through designed quarterback run, they, they ran, they ran honest to God quarterback power in the first, uh, in the first yeah. half where they lined up in the pistol, which again, something TCU did some like for Baylor, TCU was basically in pistol two by two the entire game mm-hmm. this 2019 season. And so you see that with Cumbie a little bit, but this was really nice because pistol just says like, you don't get a side advantage to us too. So like we're faster than you and you don't have any clear demarcation mm-hmm. of what's going to happen, but they lined up in the pistol and garden tackle pulled and they just, and, and uh, fullback went through and they ran quarterback power, which I thought was really, really fun. I haven't seen a design run like that for a TCU quarterback. And I think maybe they tried it with Sean Robinson, but he was slow. So they didn't really do it much. Well, and, and not so – so Max Duggan is what, 90, 85% as fast as Boykin? I mean, Duggan can run. You know, there's no doubt about that. Definitely. This, this isn't something that TCU can't be doing now. Right. 
There's, there's, I mean, obviously, like Max Duggan's not Trevon Boykin yet. No. His arm has some issues, but there are ways to highlight your team's strength that we've seen TCU do before that yep. we haven't been doing in 2013, 2019. Yep. So that's that's what's frustrating about it for sure. And and one note too I had is that sometimes Kansas State and TCU's offenses, their setups look similar, just in terms of both teams would put a couple extra backs in there you said in the pistol they throw the fullback back there and kansas state was doing that too the problem is that no one on kansas state was as fast as anyone on tcu with the exception of tyler lockett right so, right they were just unidimensional both in not having a rushing game and in the passing game really coming through one one guy right but watching these offenses i mean tcu had 334 rushing yards in a game between kansas state and tcu you'd expect that to be kansas state absolutely uh, and it just amazed me how much TCU was able to use innovative formations, make, or excuse me, allow Boykin to make decisions, um, like we said, on those option plays or, or, or keepers if he wanted to, and um, just kind of slice and dice Kansas State. I mean, it was really fun to watch them run aggressively. And and like you said, not as a, well, we have nothing better to do, so here's the inside zone. Yeah, well, and, and that was so that was so interesting is you just saw a, such a variety of rushing concepts yeah, yeah. that when they ran zone read, it was they ran zone read maybe twice, mm-hmm. and Boykin kept on both of them and just blew past the defensive end and got yards because they were prepared for it to go to the lead side. I mean, yeah. th- w- deception is so important in offense, especially when you have speed like that. That it's just kind of like a multiplicative effect, mm-hmm. and they were able to really, really do that well and, and have Kansas State on their heels the entire night. Yeah, it was I a really well called game. Completely agree. Um, what else did you see scheme wise? So uh, red zone, red zone offense was a huge fan of the red zone offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw getting my notes together because I got so excited I was writing around. Um, we had the pistol speed option and a two tight end set. Yep. Uh, that was a PA, a PA pass with two tight ends in the red zone. Like it was beautiful. Just both of those happening in the red zone and it felt automatic in the red zone. And, and TCU, I think, was three for three ultimately in the red zone. Um just, just really, really incredible offense there to say like, hey, we're here and we're going to put ourselves in a position. Like they didn't do something entirely different with the the aside of the two tight ends, yep. but they just set themselves up to play for the strings in the red zone, which feels like you shouldn't have to say out loud that that's what you should be doing. But Well, and I do have one one quibble with that is that as aggressive as TC was all night and as successful as they were, I noticed in the, the first half at the end of the second quarter, TC had fourth and inches inside the red zone with a minute and 10 left and didn't go for it yeah and kicked a field goal boykin was ruled short for the first yeah. down marker there was a review and they upheld it or, or boykin or, or maybe green I don't uh, remember. it was aaron green because it was like his hip hit the ground yeah or something it was very weird but i mean he was short i think one yard was automatic there but i mean yeah. that's that's gary like i don't I mean, know yeah it, it yeah. listen it worked out in the end but you could tell boykin wanted to go for it um, right he looked pretty angry on the sideline like that was kind of a what if for me it was just you know, TC was so aggressive, like you said, and was running the ball so well. It was crazy to me to kick the field goal. And then Lockett ran it back, and it was called back. But that could have been a huge flip and could have gone really poorly for TC, and they, and they kind of got lucky. What's crazy to me is um, Kansas State had the ball with, like, two minutes left, mm-hmm. and they didn't milk the clock out. Like, again, this whole thing, you talked about the rushing yards. for You'd expect Kansas State would be the team to, like, run six run plays and they go to the yep. locker room, but all they could do was pass. And so they took like 13 seconds on their drive and it nearly worked. I mean, they, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So let's, let's talk about Ty Slanina. Cause I have, I have that. And then a couple of defensive things I okay. think with this. Um, yeah. So 
I, I wrote down Ty Slanita and I, I put slash Bart Johnson um, because TCU, I don't think has had that guy since Slanita, but mm-hmm. they've always had before that kind of this dependable, not very talented, but like pretty consistent inside option mm-hmm. on pass plays. And I feel like that's part of the identity is when Cavante Turpin came in, he was such a playmaker mm-hmm. that he wasn't an ancillary option. He was a focal point. And that really inverted some of TCU's offensive kind of hierarchy that probably doesn't really exist, but exists as we're looking at it. And so I just, I just don't think TCU has that person now uh, of that reliable third or fourth option that's consistently running like a corner or an in over the middle of the field. Completely agree. I should start by saying that I'm a big Ty Slanita fan. He grew up oh, yeah. about 20 minutes from me. Um, and we're pretty much the same age. I never met him, but I have friends that are friends with him and his sister. Uh, he had a really bad drop in this game. Uh, wide open, would have been on a 20-yard completion, and just straight up, it bounced off of his hands. It was yep. not great. But I completely agree. He was a yeah, a safety blanket in a, in a lot of different ways. And I think with the young wide receiving core that TCU has now, there's a chance we can get that guy to develop. Um but yeah, that's a really interesting point. He only had one catch for eight yards, but you could always kind of see him floating open about five yards past the line of scrimmage. Boykin was just able to run for eight, so he didn't bother. Yep. But um, yeah, that's a good point. They, they used him really well. Well, and I think that's a strict improvement in, you know, Max Duggan's safety blanket this year was Shea Wolanalua at, yeah. at the line of scrimmage. And you're yep. like, okay, well, that's that's not great. And so it'd be nicer to have sort of sort of, sort of a more vertical mm-hmm. safety route there, especially mm-hmm. on some longer plays. So I just I just saw that and thought like mm, TCU really hasn't had that guy. Completely um, agree. Yeah. TCU blitzed blitzed so much to oh, start yeah. this game. Oh yeah. They just they knew like okay. So again, I, I talk about Kansas State's offense. Kansas State's offense was really cool. They did a lot of like water snapping and then kind of running up, reading, and mm-hmm. then deciding, am I going to run or am I going to pass? Um, and so just that quarterback RPO, which I don't know what RPO really became common language. What, like 2018, 2017? I mean, yeah, I remember a play that always sticks out to me is when Auburn beat Alabama. It was 2014 or 2015, whenever game that was. And I remember that was the first RPO I saw. I was like, oh, okay, that's when an RPO is. But it yeah. didn't become the announcer's buzzword, like you said, until 2018. Right, right. So like figuring out, you know, everybody, everyone calls play action an RPO now. Like, right. And so just... Bill Snyder, good football coach. Kind of mm-hmm. weird to remember because he kind of flailed out at the end. It was a little uncomfortable. But um, pretty pretty cool offense. TCU, though, just said, like, okay, you're not going to rush, so we're going to play zone and we're going to blitz a guy. And that just worked extremely, extremely well Yeah. Uh, when they couldn't get the ball quick enough to Tyler Lockett. Like, it was either get the ball to Tyler Lockett really quick or your play doesn't develop. For sure. And one of those exact plays you mentioned where Waters takes a snap, kind of runs up to the line of scrimmage and decides. I have that in my notes. Uh, it, it was uh, second and seven in the first quarter, and I just have Waters mulls about in the backfield, and then McFarlane, <laughs> uh, James McFarlane, just wallops him for a sack. Uh, yeah. And, it, yeah, like you said, they blitzed and they ran zone, and if Lockett wasn't open, Waters had nobody to throw to. And so credit to the coverage team, I guess. Like, Lockett had 11 catches, but on that play, they were really good. And... I think a lot of the game they were really good, and that allowed the line to kind of pressure Waters into making some passes on the run, and that kind of flew off the mark and, and really hampered Kansas State. Definitely. Uh, speaking of the defensive line, I did have a note. Terrell Lathan had that awesome face mask, and I don't know that yeah. anyone wears that anymore, but it, it had like 90 little bars on mm-hmm. it. It looked like he was like a gladiator or something. It was pretty. Yeah, he was, was great. great. Th- that line was super fun. 
Yeah. So, uh, Ch- so uh, that was Lathan McFarland, Chucky Hunter. Yeah, Chucky Hunter, um, James McFarland. Uh, who else is on that line? Um, I can't the see the fourth member. This game aren't aren't prob- uh, Mike Tuaua. Uh, okay. And uh, he he featured prominently. Um, Aaron Curry was a junior at the time. Uh, yeah, it was just a really like solid. Uh, Josh Caraway was a defensive end. He, he played uh, yeah, some yeah, yeah. that year. Uh, yeah, just a really really fun line. Just Definitely. just a lot of like, for lack of a better football term, just a lot of dudes on that line yeah. that were going to go make plays. And and um and so right about the fourth drive is when fourth drive TCU is up, um. Seven zero there, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Kansas State said, okay, we're giving up on the RPO game, basically. We're just passing. Mm-hmm. And TCU kind of said, like, we're going to run a bunch. Like, they went yeah. in opposite directions, which is pretty interesting. Yep. But when that happened, I noticed TCU started playing three-down linemen a lot on defense and just kind of went to, like, a 3-3-5, mm-hmm. which basically gave them an extra safety on the field to either say, where's Tyler Lockett or go kill Jake Waters. Right. And that was that was pretty effective shift, especially later on. For sure. Um, yeah. I had to derail one thing because I just found this in my notes. So, talking, going back to offense for a minute. Is it Little Gronk? It was not Little Gronk. It was Darn. TCU had a third and three on uh, their first drive of the game near midfield, and they ran three down linemen on offense. I'm, I'm assuming you saw this play. Yes. Okay. It was like that monster formation or whatever. Yes. That really, like, that could have worked. Like, I, I think that's probably the one bad decision Boykin made was that he pitched instead of kept on that play. Or, yeah. No, he kept, but Green had leaked out and was wide open down the field, um, yeah. down the middle of the field, and Boykin just kept it. I think it was a design run. But if they could have turned that into a pop pass, like that play looked really cool. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I liked it better than the, you know, letting Shaywell on a little throw the ball or something. But. Yeah, yeah. I, again, at, at least you're trying something. That is a little too cute. I, I feel like, it, was it Missouri with Chase Daniel would do the yes. monster all the time? Yes. Uh, it was like three down linemen and then everybody spread out or something. Yeah. Very weird. Um, it, it was weird, but it looked cool. And again, if they would yeah. have tagged an option to throw it to Aaron Green on that play, he would still be running today. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Okay. Uh, other random, you know, we can just kind of clean up and do some random notes because I think we've talked about anything else on scheme you want there. No, not no. I think we pretty much covered scheme. Um, yeah. A yeah. lot of pistol, a lot of play action speaking, yep. speaking my language. Um, some other random notes I have that I haven't said. Kicking to Tyler Lockett is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Then later on, they stopped kicking to him. Uh, the announcer said that Bill Snyder was calling the plays in 2014, which was huh. shocking to me. Because um, Dana Demmel was the OC, and Dana Demmel like, went to UTSA and, or UTEP. Yeah, UTEP. And, and so, I mean, I just assumed like Demmel was the guy. That's, that's really interesting to me. I'm sure that responsibility's changed. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, in a way... Aaron Green's arrival. Yep. Um, Cause Catalan was a senior Catalan got hurt and Aaron Green made you forget about, like I thought about this game and thought about Aaron Green. I kind of forgot about BJ Catalan. Yep. Or I thought about this team um, just because Green took over in 15 and, and did so much and had so many moments. And this was kind of that announcement of like, Hey, I'm not just a random transfer from Nebraska. I'm a really good running back. So. Yep. Yeah. And, and that was Catalan had gotten hurt. Was it two games before at West Virginia? Um, no, it was the uh, previous no, West game. Virginia got the concussion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then Green was like, well, no worries, because it turns out I'm really good. We also saw uh, Kyle Hicks making some appearances there. Which is yeah, really for a little, little baby face Kyle Hicks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. five, five um, rushes, 15 yards. Yeah, pretty good. 
Okay, I have some other other notes. Uh, the second quarter was horrible. So overall, Kansas State had 8.23 expected points added, like a sum over the game. Mm-hmm. And TCU had 23.56. So TCU by about 15, 14 points there. Um, but first first quarter, TCU had 11.8. Kansas State had 2.5. In the second quarter, both Kansas State and TCU had negative EPA. Negative 1.46 for Kansas State, negative 1.74 for TCU. And then in the third quarter, TCU really pulls away. They have 13 to Kansas State's 1.6. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth quarter, Kansas State had a touchdown, so they were looking a little little higher. But that, that second quarter, both teams in negative EPA, for a game that had, what, 60-something combined points? Yep. Uh, only three points in the second quarter. Very bad quarter. Yeah, it, it, was, it was not fun. I'm looking at the drive chart now. I mean, so let's see. Um, there's first quarter. Okay, so it went punt, 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 field goal, punt, and a half. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, not great. Kansas State had a drive. This one you're talking about. Three plays, two yards, 53 seconds off the clock. Yep. And um, then their and next then, drive was three plays, zero yards, 46 seconds off the clock. <laughs> this is like bad exactly Texas Kansas Tech State. football. Yeah, yeah. This is like we have no we have no receivers or yeah, or Alan Bowman's hurt or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so we're just going to chunk at that field and hope something good happened. It it yeah. it didn't for the record. It it did not. Uh, it did a little bit, like, to, but not not consistently. Not not really. And that um okay oh, again that Lockett touchdown was just him beating his man. Yeah, absolutely. That was that was not Jake Waters. That was no. No. yeah. I'm sure Jake um, Waters is a nice guy. I don't want to bury him too much, but this was yeah. Yeah, he is probably a very successful insurance salesman in a small town in Kansas right now. Yeah, um, that, that's not a mean. I don't mean that mean. I mean just like that did sound mean. Know. I'm gonna look up Jake Waters and we'll see what he's doing. But okay, what let's other, find out what uh, Jake Waters is doing. What other miscellany do you have? Okay, little Gronk. Uh, I just felt like I needed to acknowledge that he was a fullback for Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Carpenter and Jason Verrett were on the sidelines as yes. well as the chubby guy from Modern Family, which Eric I thought Soundstreet. was kind of cool. Yeah, he's a big Kansas State guy. Um, the last thing that I said, I, I think I said this out Can loud. Can I tell you what Jake Waters repeating. is doing now? Um, Kansas State's defense was really smart. They just literally got athletic by Trevon Boykin. And so that was really a deciding factor in the game. Really good, really good football on both sides. Just superior athleticism on TCU, Uh which kind of goes back to TCU hasn't had an overwhelming talent advantage since 2014. Um, And so those are kind of the kind of the repercussions of that. It looks like you're frozen. And so I may have lost you. So I just snapped so I can see that. I'm going to hang up and call you right back. We're still recording. Don't stop recording. Don't stop recording. Think that I lost you. Maybe. Maybe. Let's see. signal drop i gotta go to the guest room click to join the video call i'm gonna do your room call now i'm not click to join the video call this is great television i'm gonna go get my phone
Okay. Everyone else has left the call. Cool. Call. Ah, there we go. Okay. Cool. Okay, I moved locations. I'm in my parents' bedroom. Sweet. We don't have Gross. a basement. Otherwise, I'd record there. Um. Okay, so cutting cutting all that, I said I just wrapped that up. I don't know when you lost me. So tell me about Jake Waters, and then we Great. can, uh, yeah. Uh, Jake Waters is Well, now... hold on. Sorry. Okay, yeah. Are you ready? Go ahead. Okay. So Jake Waters is now the inside wide receivers coach at UTEP. Under Dana Demo. Oh, under Dana Demo. Of yeah. course. That's pretty great. Yeah. I think I saw that like Colin Klein is like the quarterback's coach assistant OC at Kansas State right now. I mean, they, was, they like their guys. They do. He was on the sidelines for this game. I think he was an assistant. I think he might have been inside receivers for Kansas State. But, yeah, uh, Colin Klein played like 15 years ago. I don't know why I think of him so much so recently I, in my memory. He was the runner-up to Manziel in the Heisman, and it feels like he played in 1998. <laughs> that seems like, yeah, that seems like third grade me saw that on ESPN. That's, right, that's exactly. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Getting all these are all running together. Okay, so I think that's about it on our on our first rewatch. A little disorganized, um, a little fun though to kind of relive a TCU game and watch that. Um, I like that we did not talk about the playoff at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't emotionally prepared for them to talk about it that much on the game. And every time they talked, I was like, Gus Johnson, you liar. You don't know what's going to happen. Gus Johnson said, it's an elimination game every week here in November. It's like, no, it's not. Turns out it you isn't. You can win and not get, <laughs> yeah, not get, uh, not get eliminated. Did you, see, um, uh, did you see the playoff top 10? They, they popped up. Uh, yes, Mississippi State under Dak was number one for like four of the six weeks of the playoff. Yeah, somehow that wasn't the weirdest result. Uh, number 10 Notre Dame lost the game to number nine Arizona State, 55 oh to 31. Gosh. Can you name me one player? Do not Google this. Yeah. I'm Googling it. Can you name me one player on that Arizona State 2014 football team? Was Brock Osweiler on there? Oh, wait. He's that young. Was he? Uh, he... <sighs> Brock? I mean, we're going to go in the weeds here. But, yeah. just that, that, No, that, we're doing that. it. What else are we doing? Yeah, you're, you got a point. No, that wasn't Osweiler. He was drafted in 2012. Um, okay. Arizona State 2014. I mean, that just blew my you're, mind. You're never going to – I don't recognize one name uh, of the guys with stats. I don't recognize any of these I, I'm dudes. looking at their draft picks now. I don't know these people. Uh, Will Sutton was a defensive lineman. Sure. Um, who is their – do you have their quarterback? Taylor Kelly. Sure, and man. Mike And Mike Berkovici? Mike Berkovici. Okay. He, I think, was – I think he played for them – for a couple years after that. Yeah, because Kelly was like the... Yeah, so this was his junior year. He started in 2015 and was their main quarterback in 2015. Um, weird. Very weird. Yeah, yeah I don't man. I don't know anyone on that team. You'd yeah. figure they'd have like a receiver or something that would have been in the NFL. I don't know. Yeah, very We're, weird. Like, outside of TCU, obviously that was really weird. That entire season's college football playoff, like, shape was super strange. Like you said, like, Dak was there. Like, the first top four was like Mississippi State. It was all SEC teams, I think. Because wasn't wasn't Egg Bowl that year was a top ten? It was like one versus five yeah. or something. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, I don't know how that happened. And now the Egg um, Bowl ended in a player peeing in the end zone and caused the coach to get fired. So. Equally as compelling in different ways. Correct. Yeah. Wait, which also caused another coach to get fired. That's a weird. We're not. We're not. We're not <laughs> authorities on that. We can't speak to that. But that player peeing or pretending to pee got. Joe Moorhead. Yeah. They fired Matt Luke, but then 
Joe Moorhead got fired because Matt Lou got fired. Like, that's just weird. The Mississippi schools are joined at a hip, like, even more than Baylor is. Uh, it's a TCU. Like, there's just, there's so much intermingling there. I miss college football so much. Yeah. Yeah, we really, everyone <laughs> stay inside so college football comes back, damn right. it. Can I, can I tell you, since we're, um, we were talking about Boykin and sort of his, uh, like, how the 2015 season didn't have the same ceiling. Um, yeah. And I was going back through old Hayton Ass Spurrier, uh, the uh, Spencer Hall and Ryan Nanny feature, because they released a new one today. And they yeah. had done one after the TCU-Oklahoma State game of 2015. And uh, it was, uh, it's okay, Trevon. Uh, it's not called T. Boone Completion Stadium. Uh, <laughs> so I thought that was kind of mean. But. That game was the worst because there was like a glimmer of hope in yeah. the third quarter. Yep. You're like, oh, okay, Boykin's going to do what he did against Kansas State and is going to score at the last minute. And then that very much did not happen. No, it didn't. Ah, woof. Um, but we beat Texas by a billion that year, so that was God, great. that was so much fun. Just being being alone, I don't know if you've noticed this, I've, I've fully embraced the we of the um, TCU. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm alone and isolated, and I need that. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm grasping for any affiliation I can at this point. Yeah. Um, okay, I think we should wrap there. We mm-hmm. didn't ask for questions. Someone DM'd me some stuff, but I haven't looked at it, so I'm not going to screen that live. We'll keep it for um, next week. We'll keep it for next week and uh, talk some more about the Frogs War Bracket and some more off-season happenings. Other than that, uh, follow Grant on Twitter mm-hmm. at Grant and the Galliard, spelled like it sounds, yep. with a lot of vowels. And I'm at Stassibor, and we will catch you next week. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. I'm going to cut mine and leave yours.